Page 856. Thanks. 1 Kings 17, yeah, it's only one verse there. And then 1 Kings 18.41, we'll do a couple verses there. So let's read this, and then I want to I catch you guys up and kind of fill you in. So um, James chapter 5, we pick up in verse 15. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So Father, we just, um, we're going to be focusing our attention, Lord, on communicating with you and hearing your voice more clearly. And we need to also learn more about standing in our position um, that you've given us, to stand in confidence, to pray with confidence, to pray with direction, to have strong convictions on our hearts that you've placed things there, and you're calling on us to partner with what you want to do. And so, Father, I just pray that you speak and just encourage our hearts this morning, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, so let's back up all the way to our first. So, Jaron. Right? So, Jaron's going to be almost five. And um, so, when we were talking about, you know, having kids. Um, so, Julie, she has some, some unique parts of her on the inside in her organs. It's unique in there. And so because of that uniqueness and specialness, uh, we have to, uh, we go see doctors that keep a close eye on her every step of the way. And when we eventually got pregnant, or she got pregnant, with Jaren, that wasn't me, um, I had something to do with it, but I wasn't the one doing all the work. But uh, so when, we, when she got pregnant with him, so we had to go see these specialists and um, Julie, and maybe some of you can resonate with this. I know certainly part of myself can resonate with this. When she found out she had these things going on inside of her and uniqueness, what she started to do, which sometimes people do, is they immediately look to see, to the internet, to see what happens when someone in her position goes to give birth and what are all the range of possibilities. And, and I'm all for that. I'm certainly not mocking that in any way. So she went and she found all of these statistics and all of these studies and all of this information that was not very encouraging. And it listed all of the many things that could go wrong. And in most cases, a lot of things did go wrong because of just the way she's built in there. Um, there's just a greater percentage for issues and problems. And it's already a pretty in-depth process as it is to give birth and go through labor and everything, but if you've got more things going on, more variables, more things can go wrong. So she would tell me about all of it, and I struggled with that. I struggled with that. Not because I wanted to say all the reports and things weren't true. They're, they were true. I mean, there's scientific studies. But I struggle with that setting a mindset and a framework for how we would move forward. You understand what I'm saying? You can get information from a doctor, you can get information from credible sources, from reliable sources. It doesn't mean you deny any of it. It's just how much of an influence does that 
set in your mind. That's where our battle is as Christians, right? So, so she continued to do it, and I just wrestled, and I was like, babe, like, maybe we should read a little bit less. <laughs> maybe we can scale it back a little bit. And, and it all fell under, her response typically was, I want to be prepared. It, all, it always falls under being prepared. I'm all for preparation. And I would say even Jesus is all for preparation. He's go, he says, Who, you know, who's going to go build a tower and doesn't count the cost beforehand? Like, you prepare, you think about things. But th- there's preparation that's driven by confidence and security. There's also preparation driven by fear and anxiety. It's very, very important that us as Christians are able to tell the difference between the two. I would venture to say that preparation, if it's mainly influenced and driven by fear and anxiety, I've learned in my own life, I get the heck out of there. It gets me nowhere good. In fact, it gets me totally the other way from preparation. It gets me to nervousness and greater anxiety and more frustration, and I feel like things are spiraling more out of control. And there's nothing I can do about it. So we had that conversation, talked about stuff, and, and she scaled it back a little bit. And so then we're about to, you know, give birth to Jaren. And it was, it was a very difficult labor and birth. And a lot of things went wrong that they just did. And so when we were done, to make a long story short, when we were done, we finally got the little man and Loretto was there. Uh, my mom was there, my sister was there from California, and there was a picture of them. I still remember the picture. Uh, Julie's pretty much passed out, and uh, they're in there with their hands up, you know, and just celebrating. It was great just to get them out of there because it was just such, it was just not a good situation. And the doctors mentioned, they said, hey, listen, you know, you guys are really fortunate that you did this birth here at Yale and you guys are in America because if you're some other country, she, she would not have made it. You know, she would have bled to death. She'd lost a ton of blood, and it wasn't good. You know, so she would have died. So I was like, jeez. So after that experience and information, my thought process for number two, the heck no. Not any part of that. So Jaren's growing up and, and, you know, we're just enjoying him and a lot of struggles in his little life even early on. And uh, she's like, you know, he can't be alone. And I was like, oh. I've been dreading that conversation. I'm not encouraging that one. And so uh, she goes, you know, he can't, he can't be alone. I was like, I know, he can't. So I'm struggling with this. And I said, do you remember how horrific it was before? He's like, do you remember? She's like, well, yeah, it was bad, but, you know, it worked out okay. And I'm like, oh, man. So I had to then struggle with my own fears, right? Because now it's fear driving what I'm going to do next. I'd like to say it's, it's caution, I'm being cautious. I darn right know it's going on inside me. It's, it's mainly fear driving that. I didn't figure that out until later, but that's the truth. So then we came to a place and talked about it more, prayed about more. Okay, we're going for number two. And then we get a little beautiful Judson. And our big prayer with Judson was that it would be nothing like the first labor and delivery. God, make it be nothing like that. Help her to have, you know, a vaginal birth, and that thing comes out, that baby comes out, and it's just something amazing. 
she runs into, we run into complications again with the second one. And man, we were so close to having that prayer being answered. And, and it kind of was, but just not in the way we were expecting. Right? Sometimes we pray those prayers and they kind of get answered, but not in the way that we thought or wanted or desired. In fact, if God were to tell us he's going to answer it that way, we probably would have been like, no, don't do it that way. <laughs> That's you, you know, you're not doing what I'm saying. But, so we were there. And then uh, we ended up getting Judson out. And so that was pretty rough. Um, but he comes out, and he did, really didn't have a lot of the problems that Jaron had, and it was definitely different. Definitely different. So then it comes to talks about number three. It's like, you know, a girl would be great. I'm like, oh, a girl. It's like a third one. Like, we can at least go, you go here, I go here. Like, we can do that man to man. But then as soon as we go, we're outnumbered. We do three. (laughs) Or somebody could have all three. So I remember trying to practice a lot when we had cousins in town. So when Julie's sister had her daughters here, or if my sister was here to have all the cousins, and I would purposely be like, hey, go take it, you know, go somewhere, go do something. I'm going to try and hold it down with all four. I just want to see what this thing's going to be. If we're going for three, I got to see what this is going to be like. I, I got to prepare myself, you know? So first couple times it was rough, and then I kind of figured out a groove, and it, it became a little bit better, but it was still super challenging. So, so then with the three, I, I was definitely not totally in for it. Julie definitely was. And we obviously weren't doing everything we could to not have a third. So then we get a third. So now the prayer is, as soon as we become, I remember we just come in the kitchen after we found out, you know, she's pregnant, we did the pregnancy test. And, and we kind of, like, we knew. I was like, babe, what's, it's been a while since, you know, you've had your period and stuff. Like, what's, I said, it's been like, you know, three, four weeks. I said, you've got to come home with the pregnancy test. It's like, just because you don't bring it home doesn't mean you're not pregnant. I know, but I... <laughs> it's so funny. So then we're talking in, in, the, um, in the kitchen, and then uh, we just look at each other, and we're like, what are we doing? I'm like, I don't know. And we start laughing. Um, and then we pray about it. And then we continue to pray. And so the prayer is, the prayer is, is for this baby, our third one, to come out vaginally for her to go no meds, have, have a completely healthy baby come out. That was the prayer. It was very specific. Those three things. Um, and so, what ends up happening is she delivers vaginally, no meds, completely healthy baby. It was incredible. It's a super answer to prayer. Yeah, it was so amazing. So I'll walk you through one of the... Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. So it's just like a huge praise God. Yes, he's so good. And I'm going to go back to that in a minute, but I just kind of want to walk you through something because then we jump into this. So the day, so she was supposed to be born last, she was, that's not prophetic, I hope. But, uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, geez, Louise. So last Sunday, he was supposed to be born, right? So last Sunday, he was supposed to come on Father's Day. It's like, oh, it's going to be. Obviously, it didn't happen. But Monday, 8 a.m., um, I, I'm teaching summer school also right now, too. So I get a text, and she's like, I'm having a lot of contractions right now. And I'm like, oh, you can't text me that. You know, so I call her up. Like, what are we doing? Like, am I going right now? Like, what? She's like, no, they're pretty far apart. They're not lasting a long time. I said, okay. I said, all right. 
So, so I, I can see you at like 10, 30, 11. She's like, yeah, we should be okay. I said, okay. So she ends up having contractions all day. So 8 a.m., then until about 7. They're, they're really strong now, and they're pretty close. So I'm like, here we go, on our way to the hospital. So we, uh, we drive to the hospital, um, and, uh, and we get there, and she has already dilated five to six centimeters. Previous to that never, that never happened in that short of time. So she did a lot of work at home. And then they admit us, and we're, uh, we're in the room there, and man, this girl is working. She was beast mode, I'm telling you, like... Little Julie was in beast mode. She was like, just like working it, working it, I'm telling you. So 10 centimeters is fully dilated, and she gets to about eight. She's like really hurting, really hurting. And she's like, I can't do this. It hurts too much. I can't do this. And the nurses are like, you're doing amazing. They're like, you're making this look easy. Like, this is incredible what you're doing right now. And I'm like, babe, you're more than three quarters of the way. We can go, like, do the meds route, but you're almost there. And they're saying, if you just hold out a little bit longer, we could do this thing. And she's looking at me like, no, no. But inside, you know, she's saying yes. So she keeps going, she keeps going. Oh, another, like, hour and a half later, you know, she's fully dilated. So then all the nurse doctors start coming in. Like, well, I guess we're having a baby tonight. You know, so we get there at like mm, 7 30, 8 o'clock, and it's, it's a little bit before midnight now, and she's about to pop. So we're all in there waiting. So this is like all new for us, like to actually be in a room, they all get ready, like, and everybody seems fairly calm about it. I'm like, oh Lord, you're so amazing. Like, you're answering the prayer right before our eyes is amazing. And so, uh, and so then it comes down to crunch time where she's really got to push, you know? And so what they do, she didn't really do this last time. She did part of it. But what they do is they set up a, a she's laying in the bed. And she's got, you know, her feet up and she's got a bar over the top. And they wrap a towel around there. And it gives her something to kind of hold and pull herself up on. Because previous to that, she's hitting me. She's pitching me. She's spitting on me. She's yelling. Like, oh my gosh. She's beating the snot out of me. I'm serious too. I'm serious. I'm like, ah, yeah, don't let her see. You know, like, good job, good job, keep breathing. And uh, so they throw that towel up there. I'm like, thank God, you know. So she's grabbing on this thing, and she's in little Julie Beast mode, just like, ah. so she's got, she's got her head kind of tucked in, legs up, and she's like, and she is just going at it. And I'm like, dang, this girl's getting it. And so... And so right then and there, right then and there, and I'll come back to the story in a minute, but right then and there, like God just like impressed something right upon my heart, right then and there. And I was like, it just, you know, sometimes you're in situations, things are developing and happening, especially in a situation like this. There's just so much going on. You're just trying to process all of it. Um, But his spirit, like if we're listening, his spirit, like he just sends things, he communicates to us. So right then and there, I'm like, something just hits me. I'm like, oh. And it was just one of those profound moments where I could just hear the Spirit really connect. And this is, this is why I picked this passage up. So we read James 5. So we're talking about this guy, Elijah. It's in the back of your head, right? I'll come back to the story in a minute. 1 Kings 
read one verse. I'm going to tie it all together, I promise. So 1 Kings 17.1 and 17.19 are close. You don't have to go far. Um, so 1 Kings 17.1 says this. Now Elijah, the Tishbite, from uh, Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab. So you got Elijah, he's a prophet. He's talking to King Ahab, who currently uh, rules that nation of Israel. He's not a good king. He's not doing well. He's not leading them right. He says, as the Lord, excuse me, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. That's pretty heavy duty. So this prophet goes into the king of the land. He says, hey, listen, it's not going to rain until God says it's going to rain and he's going to say it through me. That's, a lot of people say it's pretty bold and arrogant. But for whatever reason, he had a unique anointing on his life to where God communicated and worked with him in that way. It was certainly unique to Elijah. And it was, it was something special, for sure. With that being said, I don't think that we should just like say, oh, that's just for Elijah, Elisha, and God will never, ever communicate to us and use us with a similar anointing or in similar ways. I hope something within your heart stirs like, He's not just some special son of his where he only got the goods in some particular area. Press in for God no matter what. If we're legitimate sons or daughters, which Christians are, fight to get close to his heart and hear his voice and speak it out and live it in faith. It's definitely not unique to him. So, he says, hey, it ain't going to rain for a few years. I'm sure the king was like, okay. So you get to 18. And we read that James verse, right? Remember the James verse? It talked about Elijah. He said he was a man just like ours, a nature just like ours. Same feeling, same kind of disposition. Okay, 1 Kings 18, verse 41. Um, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. That was the phrase in the verse that just blasted me while she was doing this. If you get down, down in a crouching position, and you put your head between your knees like that, and all the original language points to the fetal position, in a physician like giving birth. So I'm watching Julie, and she's going after it. I mean, killing it. And then right away, the Lord just, boom, he just dropped a name. He just goes, Elijah. And I'm like, holy, wow, what? So this girl is working. And some of you moms have done this, right? You're working. And she's screaming and yelling. She's spitting. It's not a very sexy moment. You're working, though. You're working. And right then and there, it's like, that's my illustration for prayer, right there. We have certain postures and positions and things that we recognize that resonate with. You know, some people, you know, it's a gold medal. 
Um, some people on top of a mountain, you know, something like that. If we're to think of prayer, two illustrations have to come to mind. One is a soldier. Bible's super clear on that. Ephesians chapter 6. You got a helmet, you got a sword, you have armor. It's, it's, it's no joke. It's not, it's not always nicey-nicey time. Sometimes it's battling. And then the other illustration and picture for prayer, which I don't think a lot of people think of, is giving birth. Where God has placed something within the believer, impregnated, not in a weird kind of way, but in a way he has put something on the believer's heart and mind. His spirit has put something there. And so now they're like, this is within the believer. And the way it works is, God says, I've put this in your heart. I've put this there. I have now entrusted it to you to bring this thing to fruition. You've got to count on me every step of the way. But there is some serious work you've got to go through so it is birthed and you will see it. That is huge. That makes our approach to our prayer lives much more sobering and I hope much more intentful. Many people think about prayer life as, okay, I've got to make sure that I at least just talk to him. That would be good. And then if I can get my list in there of the things that are important because it's important to me and important to him, like, hopefully we're talking about it. That's initial prayer 101 infancy stages. What happens is as we do that and we grow closer to him and we start to know and, and hear his voice, he starts to impregnate us, put things in our soul and in our spirit so we will pray them and battle them into existence. I don't know why he does it that way. Because we're not all that dependable. And we can get sidetracked very easily and discouraged very easily. But the truth be told, this is the way that prayer life and communication with God works. I never would have prayed. I had specific prayers for Jaron, for Judson, and for Jericho. And they're very different for each child. I, I just know that they were from God. I don't... So for that last one, for Jericho, I just knew, hey, it's going to be... Vaginal birth, he just put on my heart. Vaginal birth, no pain meds, healthy boy. And I was the one I just kept going after, just kept praying for. We kept doing it at Wednesday night prayer meetings. Kept trying to tell everybody about it. Because here's the thing. When the Spirit sometimes puts something in our hearts and in our souls, and it's something beyond us, and we don't see how it can play out, many times we're very hesitant to tell anybody. Because like, oh, that's kind of ridiculous. And then if it doesn't happen, then I look like... That's just a pride issue. That's all that that is. If you look like whatever, then you look like whatever. And it might be maybe you just heard God wrong. And hey, hope you're humble enough to just say that if it comes to it. But the other side of it is, if you are hearing God correctly, and it does come to fruition... Who gets all the praise, the glory, and the honor? It's not you. It's not me. It's God. That's the way the whole thing's supposed to be set up. 
So if God puts something on our hearts and on our souls and just impregnates us with something, don't be afraid to speak that out. Say, I don't know, this just, I really feel like it's from God. It sounds crazy. I don't, or it makes me really uncomfortable. I don't even know how, but I think he's got me praying for this thing. Tell people about it. Invite people with you on it. Because not only does Elijah get in this position, so he gets in this like birthing position where he's about to birth out what God wants. Before he gets in this position, God told him, he said, hey, listen, I'm going to bring rain. So go tell Ahab, and that's what we just read. Go tell Ahab. It's going to start raining. So he gets in this like crazy position. And God told him what was going to happen. So you might think that if God told him what was going to happen, he was going to do it. Elijah seems like he's taking it pretty seriously. You would think that, boom, God just comes in and drops in the rain. It's not exactly what happens. Take a look. It says, So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. He went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Boom. So he's taking this thing seriously. God said it was going to happen. He's all in. His, he tells the servant, hey, go look. Rain's coming. And the servant comes back and he's like, mm, no, nah, it's nothing there. For way too many Christians, that's bow out time. That's like, oh, man, I knew I shouldn't have been. Oh, God just isn't going to. Ah, I guess I just didn't get it right. Many times we are called to stick to what we really feel like. This is called faith. We stick to what we really feel like God communicated to our hearts. So he sends the servant out again, second time. Okay, go check now. Mm, nothing there. Okay. Go check now, third time. Mm, nothing there. Okay, fourth time. Okay, go check now. Like most people, they'll only come to church and get something prayed for like once or twice. Maybe get the one hit wonder, didn't happen. Guess God doesn't want to do it. That's so faulty. And it's so not biblical. He chooses for us to continue to ask and seek and knock. And that's why discouragement is such a killer. We have to hold on to his word and what he impregnated us with stronger than what we would hold on to discouragement with. That voice that he put in our hearts has to be stronger than any kind of discouragement that that may come. Persistence and stubbornness with God's voice is really good in the kingdom. It's really good. Not so much that you turn a blind eye to everybody and get really weird about things and you just march to the beat of your own drum. That's, that's obviously not a good thing. But hopefully you've brought community around you. You've invited others to say, hey, here's what I think God is doing. This is the way I'm going to be praying. Can you join alongside with me? Has God maybe even shown you or spoken anything to your heart and your mind on this? And then you guys hold on to that together and you just go. That's called faith. And you could pray about it one year, two years, three years, five years, 30 years. Many times that's just the way he works. 
That's the way he works. And it's not, it doesn't have to be hopeless depression in the meantime. Like the title of the message, My Soul Waits. It's nice in this situation, God talked to Elijah, he went out and did it. Didn't happen until the seventh time, but it happened like it was kind of a fairly close timeline. It's very common for God to speak something to our hearts. Hey, listen, pray for your child in this way. You might not see that for the next 40 years. Pray for your spouse in this way. Battle for your spouse on this. They are not seeing some things that might last 30, 40, 50 years. There are numerous testimonies about that. Hey, your friend that's stuck in such and such, they're not seeing straight, and they're making unwise choices, God might put it in your heart. Battle in prayer for that person. Speak against the destruction and the spirits that are looking to overcome their life. And if we don't see it, boom, right away, we have to hold on to that voice that we know God spoke to our hearts. So my soul waits. It doesn't just wait in hopelessness. It waits in faith. And it waits in a way where we continue to come to our Father. Say, God, no, I really feel like you put this one on my heart. I need to hold on to you in this. I'm going to choose to trust you in this. Are you guys with me? I know you are. I can tell. This is so important. So by the seventh time, verse 43, go and look toward the sea, he told the servant. He went up and looked, and there's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. That's the one that you highlight and you underline. It's just, he didn't even get the full thing yet. He just got like a little blip of it. Just a little bit of something. And that's, boom, he got it. He knew he was in then. It's like, man, here it is. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, a.k.a. it's happening. Hitch up your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with crowds, clouds, the wind rose, heavy rain came on, came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. <laughs> it's just a wild story. So the rain comes, Ahab, get in your chariot. You got to go, because not only is rain coming, it's coming in a storm, so you got to get sheltered. <laughs> and Elijah, he just tucks his shirt in, and he's like, he's a legit like 5K runner. I don't know how long it was, but he like beats him all the way back there. It's amazing. It's amazing. But I'm telling you, throughout... And it really, and this idea and, and this imagery connect with my heart in each of the three births. Absolutely. But I, I, I don't know, I just like totally forgot about it, I guess, with Jericho. But it's just in that moment, I saw Julie just working and pushing. It was like immediately pressing my heart. Elijah, Jared, you're called to this. This is the way you pray. You're getting a picture of it right now. Stamp it on your mind. Yes, it's the birth of your son and it's beautiful and it's good. But also, Stamp it in your mind. This is how we pray in the kingdom. It's powerful stuff. It's real powerful. Because I think sometimes, you know, we get drawn to this thing where it's like, man, eh, you know, I like pray and give it a legit shot kind of for a little bit. I, I know very few Christians, and I'm not like singing anybody out here. I'm just saying in general. 
I just know very few Christians like labor, they're like that with prayer. I just know very few. And it's like someone got, God put something on their hearts and they're just like, man, gazelle-like about it and they go after it. And there's gazelle-like and there's weird. Weird is like they isolate themselves from everybody. Nobody gets involved. Community is really important in this. Community is important. Uh, it's also important to know that like even when Julie, you know, Julie would apologize after, so she goes through a contraction she, that just screams, ah! you know, and then contraction's over, she's like, I'm so sorry. What are you doing? I mean, you don't apologize for that, you're doing it. They're like, just, no, just stop apologizing. There might be times when you're yelling in prayer. It doesn't have to happen all the time, but it, don't be surprised if it comes up. I certainly want my life, and I want this church, and I hopefully you guys want for yourselves. I hope that you want for yourselves to be Christians that when you pray, things happen. It doesn't necessarily have to happen right away. Praise God if they do. And I'm going to expect God to bring things about in the moment. But if they don't, I hope I got some brothers and sisters around me that are like, that ain't going to shake me. I know what God says. My faith is there. And I think that's certainly what he's calling us to be. Christians who understand what, it's, what it means to be in prayer, to be impregnated by the Spirit, and give birth to what he wants to do. Many times, I don't know many times, but sometimes he'll just do what he wants to do, and God can do that. He can change the rules however he wants. But many times, he wants us to partner with him, be an integral part of the process, so we can understand how he provides and how he answers. So we always rely on him. That's where he's taken us. And that's what he's trying to build within our church family. That's why I never want to budge on the Wednesday night prayer. It's so important. In your own personal prayer, whatever things like God has spoken to your heart, or even if you're not sure if it's God, wrestle with him on that. Over a period of time, you'll figure it out. But if you know there's things in your heart that you just, you're not in labor about, but you're in discussion with. There's some things we're not in discussion with. God's like, no, I've put that on you. It's your mission right now. Go after it. So Elijah. In that James 5 verse, if you go back, or you don't have to, I'll just read it. It says, Elijah is a man just like us. Unique anointing, but he was a man just like us. And that language means just like us meant that he had the same kind of feelings and he had the same kind of characteristics. So, struggles, mental capacity, limitations, inadequacies. Similar, just like that. But what did he do? He prayed earnestly. You know, he got in labor position, birth position, fetal position. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed. See, that verse 17, we didn't see it in there. God just told Ahab, hey, it's not going to rain. But we just read in verse 17, what did he do? He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't. So it's not exactly telling the whole story in 1 Kings. 
hey, King, it ain't going to rain, and it's not going to rain until I say so. That's not exactly the whole story. Nobody knows what he was just doing in private and what he's been doing in private. That's much of the way the Christian life works. He was earnestly just grinding in private for what God already intended to do. It's amazing to me. He already intended to do it. And God like puts us through the paces to understand how this thing works. But he's a good father and we can trust him. We're probably about done, huh? Yeah. All right, Psalm 62. Let's leave with this one. Oh, and I just wanted to say thank you to those of you. There was two songs today that were uh, special requests. I didn't put SR on there. But two of you uh, requested uh, those songs, so I appreciate that. So when a worship song or something just strikes your heart, let me know so we can make sure to sing it. Psalm 62. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take some pieces out of here. I won't read the whole thing. Verse one and two. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock, my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Boom, right there. We gotta like start there. I remember like repeating this verse and multiple verses when it came for number two. When it came for new, I was like, oh. No, I just got to be secure in you, Lord. I got to be, ah, I can't let this other stuff shake me. I can't have this thing driven in fear. Verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for our God is our refuge. It's powerful stuff, right? You get a sense that this man, he's drawing a line in the sand. He's like, God, you are who I serve. I will get my security, stability from you. I won't let my discouragements and frustrations dictate what I will do next. But it's just a great psalm. So I just want to highlight a couple of things out of there to you to just further send home that point that much of our prayer lives involves God speaking to our hearts, us holding on to it, and not giving up in faith. Not giving up in faith. And listen, I want, you to, I want to make sure this is really clear. It is very common, but it will become less common, but it is very common for us to totally misinterpret or not hear correctly something from God. Please be humble enough to embrace that. Please be humble enough to embrace that. Oh, man, I really thought I was supposed to be praying for such and such or in this particular way. And if at all, during the relationship and the prayer part, you get a sense that you kind of just offer a miss on it, just tell others about it too. Be like, man, I really thought I was totally off. I can't believe how far off I was. Because it happens. It happens. 
There is a specific skill that is learned in translating a perfect Heavenly Father who deposits His Spirit in us and us receiving the message correctly and accurately. Sometimes it gets lost in translation. It just happens. So we've got to be humble about it. And people absolutely have the green light to ask a lot of questions and like probe and try and figure out what the deal is. Is this stuff making sense? Alrighty. So let's um, let's just do some prayer time, and we'll just ask God. You know, kind of what's. Uh, I just want to give some time to make sure that I, I don't know. God speaks things to your hearts. I have no idea what He speaks to your heart. Sometimes I have a clue, but you know, right now I got nothing. <laughs> right now I got nothing. I just know what He's calling us to. I can tell you that for sure. I can tell you that for sure. So maybe just to yourself, next you know, minute or whatever, he might have just struck your heart with some things during the message, or it might even be something completely like not even related, but God brought it back. Just like talk with him about it, you know, right now. So it'll just be like pretty silent in here. Doesn't have to be any noise. Be pretty silent in here. And then, um, but it's just important that we talk with God for a while. So I'll give you some time for that. Father, you've put assignments in our life before us, Lord. We're calling us to partner with your purpose and praying through what you've placed on our hearts. Father, it could be a spouse. It could be a friend. It could be issues in our own lives that we either procrastinate on or neglect. God, I thank you that you're patient with us. But we pray and we ask you, Spirit, to speak loudly to our hearts. I pray that we would be a people that's committed to hearing your voice and praying in power. Develop our understanding of what that means to pray in power, Lord. I pray that I just thank you that you're forming up a group here, Lord, that we wouldn't get discouraged easily, Lord.
that even though the message might be, no, 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 not yet, not yet, I pray that we would hold firm. I thank you that your spirit will give us patience, that your spirit will empower us. I pray that we would lean on you, Lord. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that not every single thing in our life, Lord, we have to just grind and battle. And There's just unique things, Lord, that you call us to just really labor in prayer about, Father. And I pray that we wouldn't miss those opportunities. I pray we wouldn't be watching TV. I pray we wouldn't be watching movies, that we wouldn't be on the computer. If you have things on our hearts, Lord, I pray that we would pick up the mantle, God, and we would just Labor and prayer, Father. We'd have a better understanding of what that means, Lord. I pray we'd have familiarity with it, be able to pass it on to the next generation. So we wouldn't just preach or talk about it, Lord. We'd have stories and experience with it, Lord. I pray, Father, we'd be a group of people that's humble enough to include other people around us. They don't have to be uh, pastors. They don't have to be Missionaries, Lord, just trusted Christian friends. We can gather around us and battle in prayer with us, Lord. You're not calling us to battle in prayer on our own. That's not the call. We have to do our part, Lord, but you also want us with each other, Lord, in community, battling together, Father. I thank you for your grace, for when our faith might be a mess, Lord, when our interpretation of what you're saying might be a little bit off, I thank you that you're patient with us. So God, I just thank you. I know you're speaking to hearts and minds, Lord. And I pray that we wouldn't harden or procrastinate in any way, Father. You have much work for us to do, Lord. We don't have a lot of time here on this earth, God. We really don't. We're called to be here and love others, Lord. To have your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord. Much of that is done through love and prayer. And I pray, Lord, that we'd have enough courage to step up to the plate, Father. May we be childlike, Lord, depending on you, Lord, totally open and vulnerable to you. We love you, Father. And we just want to say that we trust you. And we look forward with some nervousness, but hopefully with also eager expectation of what you're going to do. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen, guys. Rock it out this week. Pray it up this week. Get in the trench. And before you do any of that, Listen, we don't have a a huge display of food.